Tonight, I'm going to be sharing something with you that is very important that you catch it. We need to catch it because God is a creator and God is a rebuilder. And God will oftentimes just start brand new. And we're told in the scriptures that when John went up on a high mountain, God showed him the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven as a, as a bride adorned for a husband. But I want to read out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, 9, and 10. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be going back to Revelation chapter 21 in just a little while. But I want to explain some things. Now, it says in Hebrews eleven eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive as an inheritance, obeyed. I love that phrase, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is the city in Revelation chapter 1 that Abraham was looking for. But before I go there, I want to explain something to you about the city of Jerusalem. You may be seated. We're going to talk about looking for a city tonight. Now, next Sunday night, if we have time, if I get through a lot of this tonight, then we'll not only just look at the city, but we'll go into the city next Sunday night. But for now, we want to go awe and look at the city. Abraham was called out, and out of him was to come the Jewish nation. It was Abraham that would bless the entire planet as he gives birth to the promised son, Isaac. And Abraham is called out of a pagan world, and he begins to sojourn in a strange land. The Bible says that he was called out. He obeyed, and he went, not knowing where he was going. That reminds all of us today that we, too, have been called out, and we, too, are going. We don't know. We know who we're going to. His name is Jesus. But we don't know all the here and there about where we're going. We get a glimpse of it in Revelation. And we're sojourning in this world today, looking for a city, a holy city, a majestic city, a city that is made by God Almighty. Now, when Abraham went out of the land of Chaldeans and he went away from the, actually, Iran, Iraq area, he came back into the promised land. When Abraham went out, not knowing where he went, and as he's looking for the promised land, and he's looking for a city which has foundations, he was looking for the city of Jerusalem. Abraham never got to see the city of Jerusalem. Never did. But he died in great faith as the father of faith for the nation of Israel. Out of Abraham came the nation of Israel. Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And there was an incredible city built called Zion, a city in which I'm talking about, not in Revelation 21, but a city in which I'm talking about that's over in Israel today. It's called the holy city Jerusalem, the land where Jesus walked, a majestic place a place in which all the prophets came and the Son of God was born in Bethlehem of Judea. 
The temple was built by Solomon. David provided. Now, it began with a tabernacle. They were in a tent, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt. By the way, God told Abraham that the children of Israel would go into Egypt bound as slaves for 400 years. And so when they came out of Egypt, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and God took them out across the wilderness by the guidance of Moses. God instructed them to build a tabernacle. That tabernacle was a massive tent. It was a tent in which the holy place was 15 feet by 15 feet, 15 feet square. And the holy city in in uh, Revelation 21 is 1,500 miles square. When we look at this, we see that when Abraham saw, he didn't get to see the city that Solomon built, that David provided the material, but Solomon built this incredible temple after they had crossed the wilderness into the promised land, the tabernacle. And now it goes from a tabernacle to a temple. And David wanted to build a place in which God could reside, not just a 15 foot by 15 square little cube square. In the holy, he wanted to build him a magnificent house. Solomon built the most magnificent structure that this planet has ever saw. It was the holy city. And in that temple... In that city was the holy temple of God. The, the city was built in Jerusalem, or actually the temple was built in Jerusalem. He looked, Abraham looked for a city. Now I want you to understand that when it says in Hebrews 11, 8, 9, and 10, Abraham is looking for the city that we're going to be talking about in Revelation 21. But he was also looking for a city in which the, nation of Israel would build because the old city Jerusalem is a type of the new city coming down out of heaven. It is a picture. Now when that temple was made, Jerusalem was instructed, you know the story, Babylon came down, the Syrians first wiped out the northern tribes, Babylon come down, Nebuchadnezzar, and Jerusalem was just weighed like waste. The city was just destroyed, and the temple destroyed along with it. And so after their captivity in Babylon, they went back and they rebuilt the temple. It wasn't as big, wasn't as full of splendor, but it, they rebuilt it. It's called Zerubbabel's Temple. Herod comes along and kind of kidnaps it, steals it, and it's called Herod's Temple. It's the same temple in which Jesus came to when he came to planet earth. And I use that phrase, came to planet earth, because Jesus didn't start out here. Hello. He came from afar. He came from heaven. And so, not only was the city destroyed, along with the temple, when Babylon came in, but the city was also destroyed again after Jesus announced that it would be destroyed. And in 70 AD, about 33 years after Jesus arose again from the dead, about 33 years, 34 years, Titus, the Romans, came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem again. The children of Israel were scattered everywhere, not knowing their home. They'd lost their language. They did not speak Hebrew. They were scattered 1948, they were returned to their homeland. They learned Hebrew. They bought property. They rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem you see today is a rebuilt city. Actually, it's rebuilt for the third time. They don't have a temple. And I want you to understand when you look at Ezekiel, the last chapter of Ezekiel, and it talks about the temple, that's, that's Ezekiel's temple. That's not the city we're talking about. It graduates. The city that we're talking about has no temple. For the city itself, the Lamb is the light thereof. It, Jesus is the temple of that holy city. 
I don't want to get bogged down here, but I want you to understand that when Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, he looked not only for the ancient city that we know of as Jerusalem today, but he also looked for a new heaven, a new earth, a brand new city coming down, this holy city that we're going to be preaching about tonight. He looked for both. Abraham introduced to the Israel people, the Jewish people, a earthly inheritance. The Jewish people have an earthly inheritance in which they will have the promised land. And it's their land to keep forever. God promised it. But because we've been grafted in in Hebrews chapter 11 into Abraham, into the, into the olive tree, because we've been grafted in, we are now of the seed of Abraham spiritually. And as the Jews had a physical city, the old city Jerusalem that we know of today that has been rebuilt three times, we're looking for a spiritual city because the church has a spiritual inheritance. The Jewish nation has, the Jews have a material, an earthly inheritance. They'll get glorified bodies, but they have an earthly inheritance. We as children of God have a spiritual inheritance. And Abraham was looking for a city, not just a city that would be destroyed three times and rebuilt, but he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, looking for a city which had foundations that God made. For we, like him, are called out, going where we know not. We know who we're going to. We know who we're listening to. Just as Abraham was listening to God, we're going. We know who we're listening to. We know the voice of our shepherd. We know, and he's telling us to go, and we went. And we're still went, and we're going. Ain't a good way to put it, but we're still going. And one day we ourselves, like Abraham, are looking for a city, a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, a spiritual city, a city that's transparent, a city that you can see through, a city that has foundations, a city that is pure gold. A city that's transparent, that you can see through it, clear as crystal. A city with river of life. A city with, with wonderful life. No graveyards, no sickness, no disease, no sorrow, no tears. We're looking for a city that can never be destroyed. Not ever, never will this city ever be destroyed. We look for a city. But while we're looking... This heaven, the Bible says in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, I want you to understand that everything we're looking around, everything that we look at on this planet today, it's all going to burn. I said it's all going to burn. Everything around us is going to burn. God's going to create a new heaven. After the, after the uh, millennial reign, after the great white throne judgment, and the, after the battle of Gog and Magog, God is going to burn everything, completely melt it down, and create a new heaven and a new earth. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 13. And this is what Peter said will happen after the great white throne judgment as God begins to create a new heaven and a new earth. This is what Peter said. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought, we, uh, ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall dissolve, be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we look, we according to his promise, Look for a new heaven 
and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Peter says everything around you, all the corruption, everything, the decay, the wickedness, the darkness, the disease, the demons, everything. Of course, they'll be cast in the lake of fire. I love this when I think about it. God prepared hell, the lake of fire, for the devil and his angels. God the Father prepared a city for Jesus and his bride. And so when you look at the magnitude of this city, it's all going to burn. God is going to literally cause the heavens to, to explode, disintegrate with great fire. All disease will be destroyed. All graveyards will be melted down. All filth and wickedness will be literally destroyed. The heavens and the earth shall explode. Peter says, melt with fervent heat. Be dissolved. But we look for a new heaven and a new earth. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm glad to tell you that one day all of this around us is going to burn. Now, I want us to look at this city. The Bible says, and the new earth. The Bible says there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. The first earth were passed away. The heaven and earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So there'll be no ocean, no sea. There'll be water. There'll be lakes and rivers all coming from the new city, Jerusalem, from the throne of God, from the river of life. There'll be water on the planet, but no sea. There's 71% of the earth is covered in ocean waters, 71%. And God said there'll be no sea in the new earth. I Googled this. I asked the Googler, you know he always knows what he's Googling about. I asked how many people can live on planet Earth if there was no oceans, just fresh water and food? 2.7 trillion people. Now let me put that in perspective, okay? Let's put that in perspective. There is... 8 billion people on earth now. 8 billion. Let me bring this to a little more perspective. They say from the time of the beginning of creation that we know of, six-day creation, there has been somewhere between 100 and 112 billion people live on this planet. Let's say 20, 25% of those people become part of the church. That means that over 20 billion people can live in the holy city, Jerusalem. 20, over 20 billion. Now our Jehovah Witnesses They say 144,000 is all that's going to go to that city. Boy, aren't they going to have elbow room. They're wrong. But over 20 billion people can live in this city 1,500 miles square. You want an idea how big this city is? It's big as the moon. It's over half the size of the United States if you were to set it in the middle. It's over half the size of the United States. Just the first floor. There's 1,500 miles, 1,500 floors up. 1,500 floors up, a mile between each ceiling, straight up in a cube. And in that city, it can house over 20 billion, 25 billion people. 
And let's just suppose that 25 billion, 25% of the world, 20, 25% of the world becomes part of the church. And we will be there. And, and by the way, Jesus Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And let's say 20, 25 billion people can live in that city. Actually, more than that can live in it because each individual will have 75 acres. I'm going to ask the Lord to make sure my mansion don't grow grass because I don't want to have to mow. I don't think the grass grows. I think it just stays a constant beauty Amen. I don't think anything gets dirty, anything gets defiled. I don't think there's any maintenance needs to be done. But if there's seven point, if there's 2.7 trillion people that could live on this planet, just think, the holy city of Jerusalem's not going to touch down on this planet. According to Revelation 21 and 22, the new city of Jerusalem's going to come down and hover over this planet like the moon. It has no mention of it touching the earth since it comes down out of heaven. The bride adorned for her husband. And from that holy city, Jerusalem, will protrude the river of life. And that river of life will pour out, I think, on all four sides, like the great Niagara Falls, only a trillion times bigger, with pure, holy, powerful river of life. And those rivers will flow over the earth, making lakes and rivers and streams, and it'll have no need for the ocean. This is altogether something different because the holy city of Jerusalem will be like the satellite. Or maybe I ought to change that. Maybe the earth's going to be the satellite for the city. I don't know. But this is so beautiful when you think about the, the intensity of what God has done. We're looking at this city, and wow, what an incredible city it is. And as we look at it, we need to see the magnitude of the size of this city. In fact, this city has a wall around it. Now, there's, there's discrepancy in this. Uh, verse 17, he measured the wall thereof, 140 and forth cubics according to the measure, this is in chapter 21 of Revelation, the measure of a man that is of an angel. And it doesn't really tell us whether it's a wall that's 216 feet wide, thick, or high. But we know it's a wall that goes around the entire city, so it's 1,500 miles square. And the wall will be I think probably two, 216 feet thick and probably 216 feet tall. An angel will stand at each gate of that city and the gates will be made of pure one pearl. Wow. And on that pearl will be the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember when I told you that Ezekiel speaking of the temple there in, in, in chapter 48 and verse 31 through 34. The children of Israel, when they marched across the wilderness, the 12 tribes, three of the tribes would be on the east side, three of the tribes would be on the west side, three of the tribes would be on the north side, three of the tribes would be on the south side. And they were close enough that they didn't have to travel too far on the Sabbath, the restriction of the mileage. And so Ezekiel shares the temple, and he says this temple has four entrances to it, but it's not the holy city of Jerusalem. This is a graduation. I'm talking about God begins with the Garden of Eden. He takes us out of the garden. He brings a... Savior to the world. He raises up a nation. 
He, he gives a lamb to a person, a lamb to a household, a lamb to a nation, and a lamb to a world. And Jesus brings redemption. The tree of life is there, cloaked somewhere, awaiting our arrival. And Jesus Christ redeems us and brings out a church. He, he not only will redeem us, he'll redeem Israel as well in the future. But I want you to see this because it's important that you understand that God has a plan for Israel. God's not done with Israel. This city, Jerusalem. Now, everything graduates. You know, you got the lamb, the Garden of Eden, you got the lamb, you got the the lamb for a nation, you got Jesus coming redeeming, you got the rebuilding of the temple, you got now the church raised up as a spiritual inheritance, and now we're waiting for the city to come. We're waiting for Jesus to return. And while we're waiting, the whole earth is going to be melt with fervent heat because God's going to judge the entire planet for his wickedness. Hello. I don't want to get a get too bogged down, but and I don't think you can get bogged down in the Word of God. You can get bogged down in your head, but not in the Word of God. Second Peter chapter three verse seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, some people believe, well, you know, the tribulations to Fire up the church and get the church. The church has always went through tribulation. Church has been burned and scalded and, and, and crucified and bloodletted and, and get, uh, given to beasts. The church has always went through horrific times. But this wrath that God's going to be poured out is not going to be poured out upon his church who loves him. It's going to be poured out under the ungodliness and wickedness of this planet. And I'm here to tell you, it's ripe for the judgment of God. This world is hideous, and it waits in store for God to bring judgment, the great white throne judgment, the, the, the great tribulation, and then the great white throne judgment, the millennial reign, the graduation of, of Ezekiel's temple. And Ezekiel kind of takes in this, uh, this three tribes on each side of the traveling across the tabernacle in the wilderness. He takes in... In Ezekiel 48, verse 31 through 34, Reuben, Judah, and Levi were on the north wall. Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan were on the east wall. Simeon, Eschar, Zebulun on the south wall. Gad, Usher, and Neptali on the west wall. Twelve tribes. Now, if you want to look at the twelve tribes... Because the 12 tribes, each of them be written on the pearl, one pearl. There'll be a, three pearls on one side, three pearls on the other side, all four sides. There'll be four, there'll be 12 pearls, all one pearl, each gate. A gigantic angel will stand at the gate, and on that pearl, that gate, will be the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Each pearl will have one name of the 12 tribes of Israel. It may be in order like Ezekiel has in the temple, in the rebuilding in, the, in Ezekiel's temple. It may be in order like that. It may not be. I don't know. But we, we'll, we'll ask ourselves the question, who is on those? What, what are the 12 tribes will be on those pearls? Judah. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Nephtalim, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Eschar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. Someone will say, why isn't Dan in this list? That's actually, I got that list out of Revelation chapter 7. I thought that might be a cool place to find the names of them since it's mentioned in Revelation already. So I got the 12 tribes there. But I noticed that Dan was not there. Dan didn't like his inheritance. He, he rejected it, went into idolatry, pagan worship. And Dan was, the tribe of Dan was punished for that. 
A lot of Bible scholars believe the Antichrist will come out of the tribe of Dan. And so you don't have Dan in this roster, but you do have Joseph. Now, Joseph is not in the roster in many of the places because Joseph has been replaced by Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph has, this is his grandsons. He has Ephraim and Manasseh, and they chose half an inheritance. Manasseh, half an inheritance. Um, the the uh, other child, another half of inheritance. Uh, that would be Ephraim and Manasseh. In this Revelation chapter 7, Joseph is put there, and I think he's put there to take Dan's place. But after the new heaven and new earth is made and the new city of Jerusalem comes down, I believe Dan will be put back in its socket. Ephraim and Manasseh, one tribe, because they're considered half a tribe each. So you see the change of that. So I think when you see the new city of Jerusalem, how many of you could say wow to how big that holy city of Jerusalem is? I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. It just blows me away when I think about how big and how incredible it is. It's absolutely gorgeous. And at each pearl is one of the tribes of Israel written. The city has 12 foundations. The 12 foundations are clear, crystal, they're beautiful, different colors. And the 12 apostles are on the 12 foundations of the holy city. This is the new Jerusalem coming down in heaven. 12 apostles. The big A, the big A's. Are there other apostles? Yes, Barnabas was apostle. Some of the others were called apostles. Even some are called apostles today, at least they claim to be. But the big A, the 12 that walked with Jesus, the 12 that saw Jesus Teach, preach, and die and raise again from the grave. Those 12. The big A, the apostles. They will be on the 12 foundations. I wrote them down. Simon, who is Peter. He'll be the first. Andrew. James, one of the sons of Zebedee, John. That's, That's five of them. Philip, Bartholomew, which is also Nathaniel, Thomas, Matthew, which is also Levi, James, which we call James the Less, but I don't think it's going to say James the Less on the foundation. I think it'll probably say James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Well, who is Thaddeus? Well, Thaddeus is Judas Iscariot, uh, Judas who is not Iscariot. They always called him Judas, but not Iscariot. And if my name was Judas, but not Iscariot, I'd change my name to Thaddeus too. And so he had his name changed to Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanite. Matthias, the last one that was picked through um, kind of a, prayer and, and seeking by the apostles, Matthias. Some people would say, well, do you think Matthias will be on the 12 foundations? Well, if he is on one of the 12 foundations, he'll feel totally undeserving of it. But so will Peter, James, and John. Some would say, well, wait a minute. It probably will be Apostle Paul. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be Apostle Paul or Matthias. We'll just have to get to the city to make sure. I think it'll be Paul. I really do. But if Paul's not on it, which I think he will be, but if he's not on it, Paul will not be jealous or angry about it. And Matthias will go, Woohoo, I got my name up there on the foundation. Matthias was picked. Amen. This city is so incredible in its strength in the wall. The wall is not there to protect the city. The wall is there for beauty. 
just gorgeous. The angels are not there to protect the city. The angels are there for God's glory, God's honor. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time because we're running out, of, running out of time, and Jimmy will help us wrap this up. But I, w- I want to talk about the colors that are in, in, in the city. Uh, let's look at these colors. The city lies four square, 1,500 miles every direction. The height is equal, so it's a cube. It's not a pyramid. It's a cube. That's in verse 17. And the building of the wall was jasper, see-through. And the city was pure gold, see-through, clear as glass. Verse 18. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished. That means they were polished and put within it all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, and by I take that, I don't think the whole foundation was made of jasper. I think jasper was garnished through it. All these, all these um, different kinds of, of um, beautiful stones are created to reflect light, to make beauty. And it says the first foundation, jasper, second, sapphire, third, Chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardes, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysophias, the eleventh, jasoneth, the twelfth, arminist. These, these foundations were littered, literally exploding with color. Most of the color, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is green, different shades of green. Jasper is a multicolor reddish yellow. Sapphire is a bright, deep blue. Chalcedony is greenish and a lot of stripes of different colors in it. Emerald is dark green. Sardoxin is reddish white, kind of a pink bright. Sardis is fiery red. Chrysolite is bright light green. Burl is sea green. Topaz is greenish yellow. Chrysophus is pale green. Jasoneth is violet, violet bright purple. Arminus is purple dark purple, deep dark purple. All of those colors are meant to spread out and to light up the city. Light will hit it and different colors will come. We have three basic colors in our color scheme. They make all kinds of different colors, but we have three basic. What if you added a new one? And God could. With our new glorified body, we'll see better. And we'll see colors better. No one will be colorblind in heaven. They might be blinded by the color, but no one will be colorblind in heaven. The Lamb will be the light thereof. It will be gorgeous. It will be beautiful. It'll be a place where there's no graveyard. No weeping, no sobbing, no dying, no remembrance of evil, no remembrance of of despair. God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes, and we'll live in that beautiful city. Then what about brothers that didn't go to heaven? The Bible says that God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. I think he will erase our memory of those bad things. I I believe our memory will be erased. That's part of the judgment of hell. People will be forgotten when they go to hell. They'll be forgotten. Be abandoned, forgotten, forever. And that's part of the judgment. They'll remember us, but we won't remember them. Someone might say, wait a minute. How could I enjoy heaven knowing that a brother went to hell? Well, you won't know it. I have 11 siblings. I know their names. I know all about them. All right played with them, had fun with them. 
actually 10 siblings, I being the 11th child, actually the sixth son. But anyway, there's 11. I don't remember one of my brothers that my mama didn't have. I don't remember one of them brothers that my mama didn't give birth to. And only the born again will be remembered in that new city. So when we got born again, we received a new heaven, a new earth, a new life, a new family. Amen. Someone said, how old you'll be? I covered this last week, so I'm not spending a lot of time on it. But King Saul was anointed king at the age of 30. King David was anointed king at the age of 30. Jesus went into the ministry at the age of 30. I believe 30 is when the high priest could begin their service, and I believe that everybody in heaven will probably be in, you know, in our finite understanding 30 years old. You, you, you go for that? Amen. I thought that'd make some of you old people happy. 30 years old. It won't make some 16-year-olds happy, but. <laughs> then what about children in heaven? I think children in heaven may grow up to 30 and stop growing. They'll be in heaven, and they may grow to 30 and stop growing. Amen? And we will stop getting old. We won't be old. We'll never be old. Amen? I think in the millennium, there may be an opportunity for some parents to raise their child in a thousand years. And I believe that there will be children in heaven, and I believe they will grow up till they're 30 or grown, and they'll stop growing. I do believe that God will give us opportunity in the millennium to do things that we always wanted to do here on earth but didn't get to do. Amen? I believe in the thousand-year reign. If, if a mom and father had lost a child in death, it may be, just could be, that that mom and dad would be able to raise that child in the millennium. Not as husband and wife, but be able to raise that child. And that child not get stolen or not be uh, deprived of his childhood. What part of you must be born again you don't understand? Everybody must be born again. Nobody gets a free pass to heaven. Everybody has to decide sometime along in life if they choose Jesus as their king. And I think that's what the millennium is all about. Children that die under the age of accountability will come back and they will be presented with whether they will receive Christ or not. Everybody must be born again. Bottom line. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're responding. So I'm not going to spend any more time because Jimmy will be with us next Sunday and we'll be looking at some more of this stuff. And, and there's, there's so much good stuff in this. But I hope it helped you to see the magnitude of how big this city is and how incredibly powerful and large and amazing God has got plans. We're, we're just reading a piece of it. When we get there, it'll be Wow. Wow. We'll be wowed a million years. It'll be amazing. I believe the planet Earth will have people living on it in an earthly inheritance. And the church will have a spiritual inheritance in the new city of Jerusalem. I believe the 12 tribes of Israel will come to the city of Jerusalem, the new city of Jerusalem, out of commerce. And the nations will gather to that city. And we as a church will rule and reign with Jesus Christ, for we will be his bride. And we'll get into that more next Sunday night. But it helped me so much when I began to see that God really wants people to go to heaven. He wants to, you know, to, to hear a preacher preach on a, in a revival, a fiery sermon, to hear a preacher preach, you'd you think he don't think nobody's going. He thinks no one's going to heaven. 
But then when you hear him preach a funeral, everybody's going. Hello, it's true. It's true. The preacher gets up and preaches, storms, stomps, and yells and shouts. You got to get ready. Nobody's going to make heaven unless you walk the tightrope and you're really careful. And not very many people, bless God, ever going to get there. Hello? Over 20 billion people can be in the holy city, Jerusalem, with 75 acres to spare. And the Jehovah Witnesses say it's only 144,000. God's serious about this. Amen? And when you hear people say, well, you know, when someone dies, we automatically kick in the well, bless God, they're in heaven. And I hope they are. But I want you to understand that God is on our side wanting everybody to go to heaven. God wants to do that. God desires that every one of us go to heaven. He desires that. And he's made it easy for us. Preachers have made it hard for us sometimes. But God wants to redeem us through his son. 2.7 trillion people can live on the earth. Wow. And only a only 8 billion people live on the earth now, and only 112 billion people has ever lived on the earth? Sounds to me like God's pretty, pretty fired up about folks going to heaven. Amen? There'll be three surprises when you get to heaven. The first surprise will be you'll see people there that you thought would never make it. The second surprise, where well, you'll be there and you'll see that some people you thought sure, for sure would be there won't be there. And the third surprise will be you're there. When we look at the magnitude of this city, God wants people to go to heaven. Do you hear me? God wants you to go to heaven. He went the extra mile. God gave his son Jesus. God's listening. God says, you call, I'll be there. You come to me, I'll save you. It is God who wants you to go to heaven. And God pretty much has his way. Amen. And that's just a fact. Now, am I saying everybody's going to go to heaven? Not at all. But I am saying that God is generous, and he'll do everything in his power to see to it that you live forever in paradise, in the holy city of Jerusalem. He said, you go out and bring them in that my house may be filled. Hello? Hello? Well, God's desire is that it has to be filled. Well, let me ask you a question. If a king desires something, does he get it? If God desires a full house, if he really desires a full house, does he get it? He's God. I mean, I'm not God. There will be God. But if I was God, I'd pretty much have my way. Amen? And so God wants you. You, you worry about people maybe... You worry about people maybe who committed suicide. You worry about someone maybe they, they, dry, they died struggling with alcoholism. You worry about someone that you wasn't sure about their way, and we all want to believe that they went to heaven. I want you to know God wants to believe that too. God wants to forgive. God is a God who saves. Amen. And at any moment, I don't care who it is, at any moment, if you ever open up your window, God's grace comes buzzing in. He'll fill your room. Amen? And if you decide that you don't want him, he'll just hang out in the back room somewhere and wait for you. He'll get you. Amen? He'll get you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been watching Carol's dog. What's the dog's name? Lola. Who names a dog Lola? Anyway, it's a girl, as you figured that out. Well, Lola is a nice dog, 
But Lola has learned a few things. She has learned when the, pa- when the paper rattles, that means good ease. She has learned, you want to go outside? Yes, I want to go outside because when I come in, I get a goodie. They learn fast. Judy was gone. I let Lola out to go do her business. She came back in. I let her in. I beat it back to my office space in the house. I sat down in my chair. I'm going to relax, do some studying, and here comes Lola. She comes to me. She puts her paw up on my leg, looks at me like, you forgot something. So I got up, and I went and took care of what I forgot. And I went and got the goodies and gave her a goodie. And she just settled down and didn't cause me a bit of trouble. You know, we ought to pursue God like that. God cares about it. God wants us to pursue him. God wants us to love him. We're going to give an invitation. Josh, come on. I went a little long tonight, but. Really, I'm not trying to punish you for coming. (laughs) Really. But God wants you. He wants you to go to heaven. It's his desire that you go to heaven. God's a good God. He's a wonderful God. And he has made plenty of room. And I guarantee you there's not just going to be 144,000 in that city. It's going to be full. And I guarantee you the planet Earth is going to be full. It's going to grow. There's going to be room for growth. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. No graveyards, no sickness, no disease, no sorrow, just a brand new place. You're not going to float around in heaven in a flower sack floating around in the clouds with little angel wings like a naked angel baby. You're not going to float around and that's not heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. Heaven's coming to earth. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. And I want to serve him. Amen. Altars open. We're giving invite. Go ahead, Josh.